Hello. All right. Welcome everyone to yet another episode of Got Faded Japan, and I'm your host, Maddie B. I'm hitting the streets today. Oh, I just opened up a little bottle of uh, Rage Be Gone, other no, otherwise known as beer. I think they should call beer Rage Be Gone. What you need, sir, is a bottle of Rage Be Gone. But if you buy it by the case, they call it Rage Comeback, right? First you, first you eliminate the rage that you had about some fucking guy, you know, cutting you off or something your manager told you. And you're like, yeah. Thanks, dick. I already fucking knew that. You wash it down with a beer, and you're like, ah, he's just doing his job. It's not so bad. I'm, oh, I'm passing by the uh, the Tokyo Adventist Clinic. They got their uh, their uh, massive hospital all decked out. And what is it? Ides of Glory? Without the Ides of March? But you buy a case of beer, and that's when it becomes rage come back. Or a flat. Let's say a flat. You buy 24 beers... And the rage comes back. Um, then you, after about, after about the twenty, the 18th beer, then, then that manager again, he's like, why did he fucking say that to me? He's gonna fucking go, I'm gonna do something about this, I'm tired of it. I take up all the slack, and all he does is comment on the fucking form that I didn't check. That's rage come back. Oh, well. Johnny's off doing something, I think. I think we talked about this last week. I don't really remember. Not to you guys, the listeners. The, uh, between us, each other, Johnny and I, I, I almost forgot I had to do this. So, what have I been... Well, okay, well, hold on. Let's uh, keep it one step at a time. So, today's POW, the pick of the week, uh, went kind of corporate on this one. Um, it's called a Grand Kieran... A Grand Kieran has been a beer, what are we call it, a range of beers, a beer range? They call it like a product range, a beer line, a line, Grand Kieran, and they come in bottles, and they all have like, kind of like, they're kind of stubbies in a way. And uh, Grand, I think, just represents that like, maybe it's Grand, like how grand of you to release this beer for us, the public. And this one is a strong wheat beer, wheat ale. Strong Uso Sonomori Waso Uno Uno Anyways, it's a type of bird that lives in the fucking woods. And it's a strong wheat ale. And that's unusual for Japan. And it's 7.5%, which is even more unusual for corporate culture. Now, before I drink this beer, comment. A lot of the beer is released in Japan by these major labels. Um, like, they're, uh, let's say they're side, they're sidelines. The beer is getting sidelined. They're, uh, they, they try to present the beer as like something new and wonderful and completely different from the others, like, you know, a red ale or a, a pale ale. But it, it, it tastes like, usually it tastes like their, what's it called, their flagship beer with a little different taste. So it'll be like creamy red ale and it'll have like some flowery description from the hills of Europe or something like that. Then you taste it and it sounds like someone has poured a tiny amount of, uh, of pale ale into a lager. It overwhelmingly tastes like a lager. And the only reason why you would think that there's 
pale ale in it is because it's been mentioned on the label. So you're kind of going into it already imagining there's a pale ale flavor. So with the amount of competition coming up from the microbreweries these days, or the craft breweries as they like to be called, because some of them ain't so micro anymore, I'm wondering if, as a result of that, as a, like okay, as the craft beers get bigger, and which is kind of a negative thing in some ways because it inevitably leads to larger amounts of corporatization, right? Uh, it sounded smart. I'm not sure if it was actually grammatically accurate. I wonder if the on the reverse side of that of microbreweries becoming bigger, I wonder if large breweries or large brewers such as Kieran, I wonder if their sideline beers will become, will like kind of meet the uh, the growing microbreweries halfway in the way that they have more flavor to them instead of, I wonder if the sideline beers can actually take on an identity of their own uh, because sometimes the idea of competing with the flagship beer is sort of like hypocrisy, you know? Uh, we can't have something different from our main beer because it's our main beer. So let's make something different to compete with the microbreweries, but it can't be like anything different. We'll just package it differently. I don't think people smell like weed. I don't think a lot of people uh, fall for that for too long, myself included. So well, let's go into this park, get under some lights. I'm trying to f slip down the side streets. It's finally cold. It's getting colder in, in Tokyo. Um, all right. Here we go. Mm, as I predicted, it, it does taste very different than flagship labels. And it's actually really good. This is the first time I've ever had a beer that didn't taste like its flagship beer. I haven't eaten much today. I wonder if I'm getting lightheaded. Kieran's Craftsmanship 330 milliliters. Wow, this is really good. It tastes exactly like it should. It tastes like a very normal, strong wheat ale. It doesn't sound like all these weird hipster creative types have, you know, dipped their their creative hipster dicks and stirred around their creative sperm juice into flavoring some sort of psychotic brewery from the backs of their brains where they all got together and smoked too much whatever it is, Colorado gold, and came up with the idea of jizz in the beer. All right? That's kind of what they do sometimes, hipsters. They just like to jizz in your fucking beer. And I'm saying this as not a hipster, but like as an artist. As a sensitive type who sympathizes with the feminists. Um, hipster jizz is not cool. Not cool at all. Let's take another sip. I haven't really spoken a lot to anyone today. So my mouth is fucking off the rails. I'll talk about that later. Wow. It even has like, um, oh, that second slug had a bit of a lagery taste to it. But, oh, the... You know, like a strong wheat ale should have a bit of a sweet aftertaste. This one has that. Ha! Huh. All right. In a way, it's like the pick of the week is... Like, we could recommend it and see if it's delicious or not, but... <laughs> As if anyone who listens to this podcast is going to go out and drink it. I'm pretty sure, like, if you're drinking your ass off right now in, let's say, Bangalore... Bangalore, sorry, I mixed up Bangladesh and Bangalore. Different countries, 
similar looking people. Uh, you wouldn't be surprised if you saw dots on their foreheads, even though they might not be the same people, right? But still, we've got to make a distinction. Uh, wow, where did I go with that? Oh yeah, it's not like as if those people are going to go out and buy this beer. It's like I'm just drinking this new beer and I talk about it. Hope you like it. Hope you fucking like it. Oh, we are definitely in the middle of December. We don't have like that post, post-autumn afterglow. Um, like, you know, if uh, it's been a hot day and the sun's been shining on the rocks, you can kind of, even if it's dark out, the rocks are still warm. You know what I mean? We don't have that anymore. It's, uh, it's all fucking cold. This is, a, I don't think I've been in this park. Oh, no, I've been in this park tons of times. Way too many times. So why have I not been talking to anybody? Well, well I talked a bit to uh, you know, Sachiko there, but uh, I'm getting this music thing going, right? This thing, that this endless journey. It's, it's a fucking crazy, crazy journey. Um, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I can write songs. Well, I can't. I like to write songs. Uh, I like drumming. That I can just fucking pick up and do all day. And not like, and just hopefully have some improvement. Or I did that yesterday. I sat around playing guitar. I have this new idea for like a concept album, like kind of a lo-fi one, like uh, you know, dumbass songs about dumbass drunks or something like that. You know, and you just kind of get drunk, big tits. You know, that kind of level of uh, humanity, which sounds like really fun. So I was doing that yesterday, just having a beer at home, sitting on a chair, playing guitar, going, big tits! I had a great time. And now today I spent like eight hours trolling through the interwebs and trying to register this music. And it uploads, and then you got to go here. And then Do you have IIRSC chords, codes? And there's all these like technical descriptions, which is just not my specialty, right? And of course, I'm doing this uh, in Japan, so a lot of these websites are in Japanese, and all this technical information in Japanese, but so much technical information is half Japanese and half English, but that English is like idiomized, so it's just like, Pakasen yo meshi shin shin yo big up, and you're like, what the fuck does that even mean? And I asked all these Japanese people, like, we have no idea what this gobbledygook means. Is so technical and how would we say uh, focused area? That's like a, a very focused area. So, yeah, that uh, you 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 spend eight hours doing that and your fucking mind goes back and forth and inside of itself, and you come out without having made any progress. And I didn't even get to laugh. I just looked at the fucking the amount of technical aptitude one needs and you know, I was telling with this earlier like everyone's just like ah sell your music online it's easy it's just like no it's not you need to have like 80 forms of paper or 80 digital codes for every digital page and every digital page needs you to interface those codes with each other it's just like dude I know I get it so I realized to myself it's not fun what I'm doing is not fun if you want to set up a house, you can't drink beer and talk about laughing your balls off. The house won't get built that way. And, of course, when you're building a house, random extra expenditures come along. 
Uh, and then you go to the shop to uh, to fulfill those expenditures. Fulfill those expenditures. As I, as I'm saying that. And then at the shop, they have other things that you need to buy or a special. Then you get that. It's the same thing. It just doesn't fucking change. That's what I need to tell myself. It's not going to goddamn change. Just because people have like this amazing glittery view of how easy shit is online. No, it's not. What, the, what society has perfectly managed to do is society has perfectly managed to keep all of the bureaucracy and red tape and just put it online in a digital format and put a fucking happy McDonald's smile face on it, give you the finger, stick it up your ass, and tell you give me some more fucking money for these services, which were supposed to be easy and free. They're not. Not only that, but uh, iTunes takes, I think, 30% off of the price. Uh, in a way, I think that's a little bit fair because iTunes is so convenient. Like, I mean, I can just put in a search, download it, and it comes really quickly. And then, well, suddenly mysteriously disappears off my phone once, I don't know, too much data gets inputted into there. And no one tells me that I'm over. And then, uh, then you plug in your, uh, your, uh, your phone and it says you're five gigs over. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? So... That's great. 30%'s a lot though. So I'm I'm registering with CD Baby and you know normally I should have printed the CDs first, received them and then started to uh build an online store. I didn't end up doing that. I I registered with CD Baby, just paid them like 100 bucks to throw my music all over the web. And what happens next? Uh they ask, oh, of course, once I finish paying them, they say they then say to to finish your transaction please send us five completed CDs to our U.S. office. Extra expenditure right there. Now I have to post shit internationally. First, I got to get the CDs printed. I finally came up with the cover art, though. The cover art's great. My friend Jay Brain made a painting. It's ugly. This ugly motherfucker with bad teeth. He looks like he's about to, I don't know, commit a crime. And not like the cool crime. Not even white-collar crime. Like, looks like he's about to, I don't know eat a bunch of shitty diapers or something like that. Like, ew, it's gross. But the art's wicked, and I I, uh, downloaded this program, which is a horrible program to say. It's called GIMP. It's like Photoshop, but free. That one was free. But even then, there's like a million guidelines you got to learn. So then you design, I designed the cover art, reverse art. I think, oh, we draw uh, some, uh, this guy, he's a drinker. He's a bit of a dickhead, actually. He's like one of those um, negative drunks. I'm kind of a happy drunk. I never really get too negative. But I see him at Sam's. Hey, actually, our podcast is sponsored by uh, Mitsuya Liquors. And that's where I see that dude. Uh, He's kind of brooding. He's one of those brooders. Anyways, he was nice to say konnichiwa once he rode past me. A little local flair. Oh, yeah. yeah, So the, the cover art's set up front to back. Um, all the translations managed to get finished. That was a long time ago, though. It's it's a fucking long process, and if anyone's ever into it, you gotta be. It's like it's like delivering goods to the front line of an army. You know, like there's a lot of um, technicalities involved. What's the logistics? Just like with anything else, and then you know, like it just might not even go anywhere. But I've decided. I've decided I'm going to do uh, this hopefully annually for the rest of my life. I think it's possible. And um, what's going to be the thing? 
Yeah. Well, when I was younger, like in my 20s, I played a lot of music in Canada. Uh, I was on a small record label. I did a cross-Canada tour. I um, talked a lot about music today, and that was all well and good. Then I had like so much student loan debt from a degree that wasn't going to pay me much in Canada. So I put all that music shit on hold and came to Japan where my life just diverted down this rabbit hole of insanity, which now has surfaced into kind of a normal reality. But, I, you know, there's so, I'm, tired, I'm tired of listening to, to famous people sing about their famous lives who have no life experience. Like all those people who are like 25, super famous, I'm not trying to become famous. But every time they open their fucking mouths, I feel like punching someone in the face or grabbing a shovel and start digging graves for some mass crime that everyone's just going to decide enough is enough and murder them all. Um, So, hopefully, you know, I can appeal to people that don't want to hear about people in their 20s. Um, singing about what it's like being famous when you're 20, when you've like, yeah, I really haven't done anything. Oh, and when people always say you, like I was listening to this guy today, um, his name was Ari something, not Ari Shafir, Ari Shafir's a, a comedian, Ari, I can't remember, he has this blog that was explaining some things about, you know, weird ass digital codes, and and like some of his songs were pretty good, I thought they they were... Like, they were acoustic-based, but they weren't, a lot of times, not too slow, not too fast. So that's cool, right? But, um, there's, like, those lines where he's just saying, like, and I wake up in the morning and I want to kiss you. I have this, like, really literal mind where when he says you, like, it means me, like, myself. Like, he's delivering a message to myself, Maddie B. When I wake up in the morning, I want to kiss you, Maddie B. And I just feel like, I'm like, ugh. That's so gross. I don't even know you, and you're a dude, and I don't kiss dudes. So I'm tired of those lyrics. The me, you, me, you, our relationship. Why do I have to listen to people talking about their relationships? Is it because it makes me think about my relationship? No, it doesn't. It makes me think of you wanting to fuck me in the ass. That's what it makes me... (laughs) That's what it reminds me of. I'm not following you on your uh, exposition. I, n- I need third-person perspective, or it, or they, um, or when you is being used in a general term when there isn't an I, right? Like, you know, or something like that. So that's never going to happen. I'm never going to sing about these things. Uh, me, you, me, you, my life story, take a shit on my fucking ass, eat candy nuggets from a... 80-year-old's dried-up vagina. That's what I have to say about that. Oh, let it out. Have a little, a little more of this rage be gone. Ah. Uh, oh, more music. There's this great jazz musician in Tokyo. His name is Sadao Watanabe. And I went to his Christmas concert last night. And he sells out everywhere he goes. He's like one of the major musicians. He's, like, he's in his mid-80s. Um, and I've seen him do three shows now. I saw him do last year's Christmas concert. And I watched him at the Blue Note in Tokyo once. And this guy's got his finger on the fucking pulse. When I saw him at the Blue Note, he's 83 years old, right? He was 81 back then. But 
he, he his backup band was exactly what it should be for the Blue Note. The Blue Note's like a famous jazz label, and you know Miles Davis and everyone like that was on it at some time or another. Um, and he played the Blue Note Tokyo with three young black dudes, piano, bass, and drums. The drummer was like this crazy Rasta dude. The bassist was like this kind of cardigan nerdy dude. And then the pianist was like this preppy guy who wore like a full suit. So even though they're, you know, they, they weren't all like, they didn't look like they arrived in uniform from like Cool in the Gang or something like that. So he picked like a really diverse group of black dudes for the Blue Note. And it was an awesome show. Last year he did a big band show. And all of the guys in the band were like old white dudes, which is perfect for big band at Christmas time. And then yesterday, he did like half Latin, a half like Latin jazz show. And then the second half was with strings and Latin jazz. So oh, how do you do that? And he has all these sponsors and he just plays the fucking tunes. And he doesn't come out and there's not all this shebang and jazz and jazz hands. He just comes out, he plays the songs. And the solos are great. The songs themselves transition really well. And then when you're finished, you're so happy to have heard the music instead of uh, a bunch of bells and whistles that kind of distract you from really what ideally is being done with a lot of pop music these days is being dumbed down. The beat's really slow. The, the music, the lyrics have no content. Um, and you're just left with like this dull pulse coursing through the, your fucking short-term memory while you just kind of go, maybe I should fuck that bitch now, you know? That's kind of what it does, but anyways. Sad news, sad news. We'll get to the news a bit later, but sad news. Dave Brubeck has died. He was one of my heroes. This is about music today, folks. If you don't want to hear it, I don't really care. Keep listening. Dave Brubeck. 91 years old. You've all heard Dave Brubeck before, I promise you. Um, probably not by his song, but by his uh, co-worker's song, who, co-worker, or I consider them a duo, uh, Paul Desmond, and he's another hero of mine, a sax player. They were the first, uh, the Dave Brubeck Quartet, I think it was a quartet back then, was the first jazz group to sell more than a million records and uh, they did that with the song Take 5 which goes right that one which is a great album so i poured myself a little whiskey Listen to one of his songs, Calcutta Blues, and, um, you know, give a little shout-out. 91 years old, and amazing. He was like one of those guys that could do jazz and classical music at the same time, but keep it lighthearted. I don't know how you fucking do that, but he did it with... Uh, who else died? One other motherfucker died, Scott Wayland. That probably appeals to more people. And I hadn't really thought of Scott Wayland in a long time. Maybe we talked about it last week. I don't know. But I've been listening to a lot of his music in the past week. And that, that Stone Temple Pilots album, Purple, it still holds up. And I was listening to some Velvet Revolver. And I was like, that's not that bad. I'm not sure if I like his solo artist stuff. Um, yeah, bit of a bit of a freaky dude. But I don't really care about artists' lives. You know, personal information, how much they're worth. I could give a fuck. I'm too busy. 
I'm too busy to worry about it, what he did to this negative thing. Like, he's an artist. Like, what'd you think? Like, how often, like, Dave Brubeck is one of the few responsible artists out there. But generally speaking, I don't really turn to artists for my source of controversy. I turn to my source of controversy to, I don't know, political and environmental disasters. I don't really care if if uh, some guy had some other dude's dick in his mouth and then made out with his wife or something. I, I don't really care. I don't really care about it at all. Sometimes it gets a bit nasty. And of course, if someone's out there, like, cutting off the left feet of black children and then making wonderful art, then we should know about those uh, those crimes against humanity. But personal life? I don't know. I don't really care. So, he's not the only guy in the world to, like, abscond on his wife and kids, because he was a fucking junkie. What'd you expect? But anyways, he could sing. He could sing. And I was doing some research, and I'm trying to, like, find out about, like... Like, because if you listen to Stone Temple Pilots, right, they have, like, the core, which was, like, 1992, then they had Purple or 12 Precious Melodies or something like that, which was, like, 94 around then, and then they had Tiny Music from the Vatican Gift Shop around 97, and his voice on all of those albums are, are completely different, almost like the way James Hetfield's voice changed a lot in the first three or four uh, Metallica albums. But more so than that, like the uh, Waylon's voice changed dramatically between each of them, and almost like different singers or a whole different approach. And I, you know, no one ever asked him. I, I couldn't I didn't find any information about like, hey, why did you change your voice so many times? Like, no one ever. They just always want to talk about why are you doing drugs and leaving your wife. It's like, no, he's a musician. He's not a marriage expert. Let's let's hear him talk about his process of changing his voice because his voice on the recordings is so good um but so different i don't i can't do that is he acting or is he like artistically pursuing some sort of depth of vocal character that no one really ever asked him about but anyways another dead junkie gone what'd you expect yeah, I was watching some of his live footage, too, and there's obviously footage of him where he's zonked out of his brain. What's probably heroin. He's zonked, and his vocals suck. And then it switches to him, like, singing Frank Sinatra or something like that at some Thai, like, tuxedo event, and he's looking handsome as fuck, and he's hitting every note perfectly. And then it switches back to him, junked out, kind of screaming in front of an audience, going, yeah, fuck you, yes. And then it switches back to him doing a Jim Morris and the doors break on through to the other side and fucking nailing it, beautifully nailing it. What a great artist. I didn't really give him a lot of credit in the 90s because in the 90s I was more into more harder stuff. But uh, going back on it now, those type of Pilots albums, they hold up. That's, that's a real sense of artistic merit and worth that's going on in those things. So right on. Um, he died, but he also left a good impression, I think. Where the fuck am I? I have no idea where I am. I'm crossing under a bridge. I've probably crossed under this bridge before. Is this the way to Kichijoji? Is that where I'm going? I decided to go down completely different roads. Okay, I'll go down this this road. Whoa! It's really bright. It's under the train tracks. Oh, yeah. Did I have anything else I wanted to say? 
Uh, I'm going to pause. Hold on. When I want to save money and drink better beer, I go down to Mitsuya Liquors in Tokyo, Minami Asagaya. Why? They got over 300 types of beer from across the world and from around Japan. They got IPAs, Pale Ales, Pilsners. It's a beautiful thing. And if you want something else, they got it. They got a fine selection of Napa Valley wines, Japanese sake, and shochu. And you can take all those puppies into the back and drink them there, which means that you're saving money by drinking at liquor store prices in a social environment. So fade on and save. Mitsuya Liquors in Minami Asagaya. Yo, what's up, Faders? Got Faded Japan has got a new sponsor. Our new sponsor is Gamuso Bar, located in Asagaya, Tokyo. If you're kicking it in Tokyo and you want to get your groove on, get your fade on, you better get your ass down to Gamuso. Gamuso is located in Asagaya. It's about 11 minutes from Shinjuku Station on the Chuo Line. Gamuso has weekly bands, weekly performances. And hell, if you got your own event and you want to hold it at Gamuso, we'd love to host you. So contact Gamuso at www.gamuso.com That's www.gamuso.com That's right, Gamuso has not only beers in the bottle, but beers on tap. We've got every drink you want, so come on down to Gamuso. Gamuso, and if I'm working, tip me. Hey, yo, what's up, baiters? Johnny here. You know I love booze and news, but I also love art. So come on down to thespiltink.com and check my art out. I've got tons of stuff there for you to check out. I've got paintings, I've got prints, I've got videos. And I tell you what, if you like a painting, I could probably sell it to you. And I tell you what, if I can't sell you that painting, I will definitely sell you a print. I've got prints of all my work. Prints are about 2,000 N each, about 20 bucks. But if you buy two, you get the third one for free. So come on down to thespiltink.com. Yo, and on top of that, I'm looking for commissioned work. So if there's something that you want me to do, I can make it for you. Just check out my stuff and see if you like my style. And if you like my style, I can definitely paint you anything on canvas, paper, whatever. I've done it all. So come on down to thespiltink.com. That is T-H-E-S-P-I-L-T-I-N-K.com. Thespiltink.com. Prepper. Don't forget, we have our Star Wars stationery giveaway with chopsticks, Stormtrooper chopsticks, Star Wars notebooks, pencil cases, cases this, cute-ass Japanese Star Wars shit fucking flying all the way all around. It's free. How to get it? Easy. Text us a message, well, text. Send us a message via Facebook or Twitter with the hashtag GFJ. Star Wars. Free. Whoa. That beer almost blew up in my face. It's time for round two. I got a lot off my chest in round one, let me tell you. I'm feeling way better. Actually, I quite like this. I know it's the B-side, uh, or in this case, it's just all a B-side. But uh, I quite I quite like this idea of walking around with a beer and ranting into my phone. Um, if I was holding a microphone, I would feel more conspicuous. But I'm not. I'm just kind of talking into a phone. Holding a beer isn't even that conspicuous in Japan. 
Oh my god. Oh good, that's a Yona Yona. I wonder if this changed a lot. Anyways, walking underneath this uh, railway track, right? All these cement pillars, straight road. And like within three feet of the train tracks, there's just houses, houses everywhere. And I, I could never do that. I could, uh, if you do, I, I well, I, good, because I don't. Uh, obviously, <laughs> that's just not something I'm into. I couldn't do it. I could not do it. I'd worry about, like, weird pollution or, you know, burglars or something. I, I can live, like, one street out. That's fine. But right next to it, can't do it. Oh, the weekend. Oh, weekend. Ah, work. Even though my job is, like, the easiest job in the world. Uh, once I'm there, it's fine. You know, so you have that idea of Friday. I mentioned it before, but Friday comes around, and you're like, wee! Like some kid getting out of school. Wee! You just run to your favorite bar and obliterate your brain with as much booze as possible before stumbling home and pissing the bed and, you know, having your wife change the sheets in the morning and scolding you, and you're like, that's going to cost. I'll make up for it somehow, honey. Uh, You know that place you always wanted to go? Well, uh, maybe I'll take you there. I'll make you an empty promise that makes me feel better about pissing the bed and gets you out of my hair for the first couple of hours of my hungover-ass day so I can pound my face with coffee and maybe watch something on Netflix or watch that YouTube video about those guys. YouTubers! I know that sometimes we upload our videos to YouTube, but YouTubers, some of them make good money. I'm surprised. And some of them have like 320 million hits. Don't you, don't you ever wonder how that happens? Like, I'm not really into watching... Like, this is the whole selfie thing. Like, I prefer to put the camera not on me, but, like, away from me. Like, I prefer to be looking out rather than looking at. If that makes sense? Looking out versus looking at. Yeah, being more more of, like, experiencing than experience, being the experiencee. Um, so I watch, like, these people on YouTube, these YouTubers with like hundreds of millions of hits. And it must be young kids, right? That goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's got to just be like young people like laughing because usually the quality of humor is pretty low. Like it's, it's, it's cliched. It's been done before. Like it's, it's a whole new genre, but the, just like how like the paperwork repeats itself with the internet and with not the internet. I think that kind of cliched humor as well kind of piggybacks onto the next next technology because a lot of those like jokes that I see these YouTubers doing I'm like well that kind of reminds me of some sort of like Marx Brothers routine from the 1930s you know like but it's just a new format and so everyone goes it's the next generation it's come it's arrived but it's the substrate is exactly the same it's like almost like the difference like you could tell the same joke in a book and a movie right um, the same thing with those YouTubers. It's got to be young people. Because I couldn't imagine, like, like people in their mid-30s sitting around on their days off watching people take up the screen. And, uh, like, and usually in a, at a, in an event or a place that's way more interesting than those people in the screen, right? So you got, like, this big fat head 
kind of going, well, it's me, and I'm in this place, and look at me. And I'm like, I don't want to look at you, bro. I want to look at the place that you're in. I don't, like, it's like, what is it? Is, is the world a backdrop for you? Like, at those class photos where you choose the background, like the books or the lasers or, you know, some sort of flower or a cloud. Is that the world? You just choose the background for your photo shoot? Um, really? The world's a lot more interesting than you. You and your 20 years of life experience. Blow me. Fuck you. Um, some of them are hot, though. I think that's what does it. And uh, I can, like, I just watch hot people. Um, yeah, when I want to watch hot people, I just look at porn. Because like, then I'm like, that's my, f- I see a whole bunch of tits bouncing around. But then when I want to look at information, I'm like, I look at actual information. Read a book. And a smart book, you know, like a book by Ken Zabutawole or something. One that requires a lot of trotting, a lot of, uh, a lot of putting down and coming back to. A lot of, why did you write this fucking book? You know? Innocuous information. So innocuous. Uh, YouTubers. Don't really get them. I don't really want to have anything to do with it. I know that we upload our videos to YouTube sometimes. That's all right, though. That's just filming us watching. I, well, before I started hosting this show, I would sometimes, if I had like an evening where I didn't have anything going on, I would pick up a few cans and watch the YouTube and kind of. Oh, I mean, that's the guy. That's where I am. Oh, okay, this is where I am. All right. They installed new lights in the uh, underpassage. I would. What would I do? Yeah, I would grab a few cans and watch it on YouTube. It was fun, right? It's good times. Uh, But it's not like our fucking heads were taking up 80% of the screen and we're just talking about us. Hey, it's me, 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 me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Well, even though this kind of is listen to me, what I'm doing right now. But I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about what pisses me off. (laughs) More people should do that. <laughs> More people should do that. All right. Well, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, this is a, a podcast that deals with the news. I have downloaded some. Um, I'm right near Asagaya Station uh, bus terminal, the bus loop, as they're called. Uh, I'll sit down there and I'll read the news, and we'll probably have some uh, interference along the way. All right. Well, peace. All right. I'm in the Asagaya bus loop area. And I, I, I just realized that there's this restaurant that I like to go to. They, they do this uh, type of, it's called otokobameshi or otokobanryori, which means like men's food for night. And it's like, it's like a slop house. It's like a greasy diner. But they got awesome fucking dishes. They do this one that I really like where they, they, take, they, they take two deep fried chicken cutlets and then they cook up a bunch of rice. And then they put a bunch of cream sauce and hunks of chicken all over the rice. Then they put a soft-boiled egg on the middle of the rice. And you can dip these cheese, these uh, chicken cutlets into the egg, which then gets like a soft-boiled yolk all over the egg. And then that, that gets additionally inserted into like the creamy rice. with like, oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's so bad for you, though. It's, oh, it's really unhealthy. But I'm pretty weak. Oh, yeah. And last night, I uh, 
went out to this Korean place next door to me. Like, on my street, there's, like, 20, well, let's say 15, 20 restaurants. And they're all, they're all independently owned. And there's no real corporate shit on my street. It's really cool, actually. I know I sound like I'm bragging, I am, but I think it's awesome, all right? It's, it's increasingly rare to find. Maybe not. I don't know. I like it. But there's this one Korean restaurant, and they do this. What's it called? Kanjatan. Um, I'm not sure if that's Korean or Japanese. It's probably both, but equally wrong. And uh, what they do is like Korean soup. It's like a Korean soup, and it's really spicy and red, like the red spice, like that spice that the Koreans like to use in their kimchi and stuff. And uh, they put potatoes and some mushrooms and some, uh, like, leafy greens. And then they put a pig's pork spine on the top, like a boiled pork spine. And the pork spine, you, you pull the meat out of the spine with your chopsticks. And then you pick off some of the potato and some soup and you put it into a bowl. And you can kind of mix it together a little bit. And you get, like, this pork spine meat potato red hot spicy soup together it's fucking delicious and they give you an extra bowl for the pork spine bones and so you just end up throwing like these what are they called what are those what are border spines composed of what are they called they're like uh not discs yeah sure discs no the discs hold it together What's the ones with the with the with the butterfly edges? Anyways, you just huck all these pork spine bones, and you get like this massive bu- bucket essentially. You know, like those restaurants where you get like mussels, like boiled mussels, the seafood, and you throw like the the shells into that. It's like that, but with a pork spine. It's so vicious, so delicious. It's vicious and delicious. Oh, it's good, but it's a lot. Now I haven't really been eating at all today. I had some granola from Germany. Um, but I think I might head up that fucking Otokopan Meishi. Oh, it's good. It's good. So unhealthy, though. And you know what's right next door is uh, Gamaso. <laughs> and right down the street is uh, Sam's. I might head up Sam's. Sponsor. All right. Let's do some news. Um, all right. Let's move on to some really grim shit. All right. Alright, I know we usually do like a top five and a top two, I'm breaking the format a little bit, I apologize if that offends you, if it doesn't offend you then I don't really apologize, so you get where I'm coming from? Oh shit, damn iPad, oh fucking hell, oh come on, keep it together Bigelow, keep it together, lock screen, lock screen, where'd the lock screen button go? Hmm. Hmm? Oh shit, fuck you. Well, maybe I'll be able to hold it together. Alright, so here's the news uh, article. Tokyo police to launch drone squad. We're busting it in early and easy. The Metropolitan Police Department is going to launch a drone squad as regulations have come into force to ban unmanned aerial vehicles, UAV, or drones, or as they say in Japanese, Mujin Hikoshi, I think it's called, from flying over crowded residential areas. The unit, (laughs) consisting of dozens of officers trained in drone operations, will start work later this month. It will be the first of its kind set up by Japanese police, Coopers, when drones are spotted in no-fly zones, the squad will search for the operators and order them to ground the drones. If the operators fail to comply with the officers, 
The squad will scramble large drones equipped with cameras and nets. So they will like, it's like, uh, you know, going, catching out those bugs with those uh, fly nets? What, I don't know what they're called. The new regulations under the revised Civil Aeronautical Law, which took effect Thursday, were introduced after a small drone with a minuscule amount of radiation was found on the roof of the Prime Minister's office building in April. Now, that, 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 that line gets repeated verbatim a lot, I've seen. Like, a drone with a minuscule amount of radiation was, was spotted or found on the roof of the Prime Minister's office. Well, I wonder why that minuscule. So, it's okay for the rest of Japan to be dosed on a daily basis with minuscule amounts of radiation and not be reported about, but as soon as it's on the fucking Prime Minister's house, that's when we got to change the law. Ah, eat shit. Fuck you. Fuck you. As if it's not bad enough. Right? Everyone's telling us Fukushima's safe, Fukushima's safe, don't worry about it. We've constructed an ice wall to prevent the, 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 the groundwater from leaking in 300 tons a day. Uh, we don't even know if that's true. A minuscule amount of radiation from this drone, which has probably had it from flying around. It has no intention to be used on the Prime Minister. It could have just been some kid who lost his fucking drone. You never hear about that. But uh, no, all of a sudden it's got to be change the laws, you know. They're just quoting that weird-ass fucking quote. I mean, who gives a shit? Um, I, I think it's good to have drones. I really want a drone. I watch this cool, uh, what's that motherboard? Motherboard. Motherboard channel. It's part of Vice. They have this good drone documentary where uh, this guy has a drone. And he hacks another drone. And then from the guy's original drone, he can control the hacked drone remotely from his own drone. It's fucking amazing. This other guy took a drone and he flew it over a park with a 3G kind of uh, device hooked up to it so he could basically accumulate people's uh, wireless signals, uh, radio signals from their phones. And he was able to gather like 256 people's information, their addresses, their contact lists, their like web history, their phone images and shit like that. Just from flying this drone. I'm sure it wasn't easy to set up. I mean, the nerd fucking worked his balls off, but still at the same time. That kind of uh, shit, you know, does need regulation. I don't, I don't, what do you think? The cops are going to do anything about it? Those fucking guys, I don't think they know. Maybe the younger guys do, but they can't appoint some 55-year-old into a fucking drone authority and expect him to know what the fuck's going on if he can't even understand how to install a 3G wireless component onto a fucking man's, a man's, you know, remote-controlled helicopter and fly it over a park. Yeah, they're behind. They think nets are going to solve the problem. They're worried about nets. No, it's the data transmission you should be worried about. Quapas. Nets. <laughs> All right, let's get dark. Item number two. Carpenter arrested for burying wife's body beneath client's garage. Police in Nagan, well, fuck it. Uh, they've in Kyoto. They have arrested a 41-year-old carpenter for abandoning his wife's body by burying it in his client's house where he was working in September 2013. According to the Kuapas, the suspect, uh, well, Toshitsune Watanabe abandoned the body of his then 37-year-old wife um, Hiroko Chan at a residence in Nantan City's Sonobetsuk district. 
Watanabe reported to police that his wife had gone missing. Um, maybe under the floorboard somewhere, you quapping to. However, police were unable to find the woman. Earlier this year, police asked Watanabe if they could go public and ask anyone for information. Uh, but the guy refused. At this point, police found uh, Watanabe's attitude suspicious and started to focus their investigation on him. Yeah, Let's help you out. Uh, no, it wouldn't be in her best interest. When police questioned Watanabe, he admitted to taking the body of his wife by car to the house where he was working, then burying it beneath the concrete. Now, a lot of you may know that, uh, like, a lot of the times carpenter is, it means construction worker in Japan, because traditionally speaking, Japanese construction workers work with wood. But generally speaking, if you hear some Japanese person say, some, yeah, okay, if you hear a Japanese person say that there's a carpenter, they most likely mean a construction worker, because they don't really differentiate a lot between the trades in Japan, like, like, you know, where I'm from, like, it's pretty important to know the difference between a plumber and a carpenter and a construction worker and a foreman, you know, all that stuff. Um, you know, welder. In Japan, they don't. It's just a blanket term for all of those people is carpenter based on people being, I don't know, versed in many skills with wood. I don't know. When police, okay, police began searching the residence um, and they found a mummified corpse wrapped in a blanket. Police said the residents of the house had no idea that some stinky-ass corpse was rotting underneath their fucking house. An autopsy will be performed in order to identify the body, and uh, the coopers have a, you know, they're going to charge the guy for that, for abandoning the body, not for making a mummy. Watanabe and his wife uh, live with their seven-year-old son. Don't worry, son. Mommy's gone now. It's just you and daddy. Neighbors said that around the time Hiroko disappeared, they heard loud arguments coming from the house. After Hiroko disappeared, Watanabe refurbished part of the house. After murdering her, supposedly, I would say. Well, that's dark. Um, yeah. Swing by your client's house. Hey, I just uh, realized I forgot to do something. Uh, mind if I borrow your basement? This one's, uh, this one will, uh, how can I say this? This one will make your heart beat a little bit quicker. Uh, men arrested for killing girlfriend... Sorry, not men. Man arrested for killing girlfriend's three-month-old baby with stimulants. Police on Sunday arrested uh, that guy for stimulants. The suspect, Tensho Yoshimura, allegedly gave the drugs to the baby. Uh, Yushi Nishida... Oh, they named the baby? On September 4th at a love hotel in the city of Kumamoto, uh, which is in Kyushu, where he checked in with the baby's mother. Uh, Yoshimura, the dude, is not the baby's father. The police declined to disclose whether the dude, uh, charged with murder and violating the stimulants control law, has admitted to the allegation. What a fuck you. The woman made an emergency call from the Love Hotel saying that her man had no erection and her son was dead. Um, and there was froth on the baby's mouth, not the man's. The baby was taken to hospital but died of stimulant. He overdosed. Uh, after the incident, Yoshimura and the woman were arrested. They received suspended sentences for using stimulants. Uh, the police said the woman, a single mother, was not involved in giving stimulants to her son. So they both check into this love hotel. Probably, to, like, they're maybe drug addicted. Like, this sounds like speed, right? You know how speed freaks work? Like, their logic's so fucked up, you can't even get it. Like, 
drunkenness is usually like they got angry or killed someone or they got angry and fell, you know, that type of thing. They got angry and, you know, did something really, like, dumb to themselves or they, they told their boss how they really feel. Listen, manager. But um, with speed, you know, you just end up doing really strange-ass shit. So they probably wanted to get high and bang the fuck out of each other. Uh, but they're probably more into get to get high, which is why the baby was sort of playing second base on this one. The third wheel, as you say. Ooh. Um, so she wanted to get high. This guy wanted to get high and fuck. And they didn't have enough ba- money. They didn't know where to leave the baby, so they just took the baby to the hotel. Three months old, the baby's not going to know if mommy's banging some stranger with drugs. Up until that point, I can see it being within the realm of, you know what? fuck it, let's do this, um, you know, because not all mommies have to be a fucking Madonna, right, their entire lives, they can be a whore, <laughs> sorry mommies, um, but you know, they want to fuck, and that's, if, you know, where are you going to find a babysitter, but then the guy puts drugs in the baby, and the baby ODs, fucking right away, that baby, fucked from the beginning, everyone's addicted to drugs, fucking Reagan era, well, yeah, what do you say? I wish I could, you know, wish this baby a speedy recovery to health, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think this guy uh, who gave the stimulants, he just might be on a, uh, on a fast track through the court system, uh, you know. I think the mother would be uh, well to do to, uh, you know, quickly explain uh, what happened to the baby to her mother before the mother finds out from the news, you know? That's what I have to say about this news. Next. I said next, motherfucking Apple. Oh, no, that's it? Um, oh, yeah. This one's interesting. Hackers say they crashed uh, Prime Minister Abe's website to protest the whale hunt. Yes, the good old whale hunt. Japan has two types of whale hunt traditionally. They, they well, porpoise. They hunt the they hunt the dolphins in Skiji, which was in that famous movie. But that's like dolphins coming into their own coastal waters, and some guys go out with spears. They kill the ugly ones. They sell the pretty ones, and uh, everyone eats some dolphin and has a good time. The uh, whale hunting one though is a bit different because for some reason Japanese people think it's Japanese culture to take giant industrialized whale processing ships that weigh like hundreds of tons or whatever and sail them into the Antarctic Ocean and then pull hundreds of whales out of the ocean to research and then try to sell them in school lunches back home where nobody wants to fucking eat them. Um, it's really strange. It's like that's not really cultural. You know, that's just you're repeating what information's been fed to you. But whether you support it or not, it happens. And they may mostly fish out the uh, the minke whales, which are the least. They're not really. They're like they're in all the world's oceans. I checked the population. There's something like 520,000, which sounds like not so much, but apparently they only travel in small pods. Uh, and I don't know. It, it seems like if you're going to fish one of the whales, maybe the minkies. Though they're not harvesting the blue whales or. Like, they're not, they're not trying to trophy hunt the last biggest whale out of the fucking waters of Africa or whatever. Still, though, uh, do I support whale hunting? Well, I don't know, because I feel like it's a bit strange to have such a loaded feeling. Like, 
it's all bad because that's what I was told as a child. We almost killed them all for their oil. We were we were barbarians. No, we would have continued to kill them if we hadn't discovered a better way of discovering oil. Now, should tons of whale meat like it costs millions of dollars? And once what happened in the go like the Japanese government allocated a lot of funds to the reconstruction of the Tohoku area after the earthquake, and then they allocated some of the funds that had been earmarked for reconstruction in the Tohoku area, they earmarked millions of those dollars back into whale hunting. So they took millions of dollars away from Tohoku reconstruction, and they just, like, they funneled it right into uh, that, uh, some guy just gave me a weird look, they, they funneled it right into whale hunting, which is fucked up, no one ever talks about that, is that cultural, you know? All right. A hacking group, Anonymous, said Thursday it has crashed the, the Prime Minister's uh, website to protest the uh, whale hunt. The Chief Secretary told reporters that one of Wabe's websites became inaccessible early uh, on Thursday. Uh, the Anonymous hacker group uh, had posted a Twitter message claiming responsibility, but added authorities had not singled out the group as, as a prime suspect. Yeah, all right. One of the group's Twitter messages posted earlier Thursday, criticized Japan over its whaling plans and warned that Abe's website would be brought down. Uh, here's the quote, at Abe Shinzo. Uh, whaling is not a cultural right. Your website is hashtag tango down. Oh, cool. I love Anonymous. I'm so glad they're part of like this modern society, like this weird uh, like, yeah, this anomaly where it's just like, who are they? What are they doing? We don't know, but uh, do they hurt people? Not really. Sometimes, but really? I don't know. Uh, the group has also retweeted anti-whaling messages and one urging Abe to not eat whale meat and go vegan. As if that's going to happen. A vegan prime minister in Japan. The incident on Abe's site is the latest in a series of recent attacks on Japanese websites. The group has said they were responsible for dozens of earlier attacks. The group most likely to chase Abe's site... Oh, uh, sorry... The group most likely chose Abe's site, quote, to get public attention and spread their message against dolphin and whale hunts rather than causing a real damage. Oh, which is what I said earlier. Oh, which is according to the Japanese people. Who are, like, this is, this is funny, who are monitoring anonymous activity. They always have to make sure that the Japanese government is on it. We are on the top and anonymous is on the bottom. They are these wild maniacs and we are logical problem solvers. Quote, they think bringing down the Prime Minister's website could have an impact. Well, obviously did a little bit. You guys are shitting your pants right now, wondering how many of your other websites are fucking crashable, which probably they are, you know. I like this whole, I don't know. Apparently, though, Anonymous has released details incorrectly about people and ruined their careers. But on the whole, I like them. I think they're. I think they. Uh, I think they should exist. I think they're a viable or valuable component of this like, digi, digi, digi environment, this digital environment that we all have to take part in. Like, um, some sort of rebel, rebel hack group. You never know what they're gonna do. Um. Anyways, good luck with your fucking website. This last one is about an undercover investigation. Apparently, because of loopholes in the Japanese importing exporting system of ivory Japan has become like this loophole for ivory sales so if you want to get your pianos made the traditional way the way the white man originally wanted pianos to be made you can get them done in Japan
Mm. The ministry doesn't really know what's happening, but uh, no one really enforces it. And if you have ivory, you can kind of make up whatever document you want, apparently, and no one's going to check it. It's just going to be sold. So that's a bit strange, but I can understand that um, from a geographical point of view. Like, why would Japan have a stiff anti-ivory piracy policy put in place, right? Like, it's in the Far East, it's an island nation, and there's no goddamn elephants. Especially the African kind. The Asian kind exists in parks. And there's one park of elephants in Japan where they, uh, they know how to write kanji. They know how to write the, the kanji for elephant, which is weird. All right. I think that's it. We're up to about an hour. I had a couple of beers. I'm going to get some food. Maybe wash down another couple of beers. Try to forget this is fucking Sunday before trudging back to work in the morning through the corridor of economic warriors. Thousands of foot marks crashing, not crashing, but clomping down this underground corridor with advertisements for jewelry and shitty TV shows. Like everyone's heads are like 20 feet tall in these advertisements and they're expressionless and they're just sort of holding this this item that I think I should have. I don't think I should have it. It's not even advertised towards me. Yeah. All right. Faders. Thank you for fading. Give us a five-star review. Do all that shit or not. I don't even know how this shit works anymore. But anyways, you know what to do. You know what to fucking do. Peace. My own brother, a goddamn shit sucking vampire. Oh, you wait till mom finds out, buddy. I've got a government job to abuse and a lonely wife to fuck. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Out of the pressure! I can't take it! I can't take it! I can't stand to it! You sure I should do this, man? We're going freaky! We came, we saw, we kicked his ass! Your move, creep. Man. I will never forgive your ass for this shit. This is some fucked up repugnant shit. Ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bold.